Hey, this is Marcus. I am the student pastor at Savannah Christian's Effingham campus. I wanted to just say thank you for checking out this podcast. If you're a parent of a student in our ministry, you could do us the favor of thinking of another parent that might not know about the existence of this podcast and sharing it with them. And if you're a student in our ministry, you could do the same thing with another student, making sure this gets shared around so that people know that we're making podcasts out of our messages. So, uh, anything else in the way? How about you enjoy the most recent message from Element at the Effingham campus? We're going to start a new series tonight. It's called Rooted. The idea behind this series is that we're going to talk about some fundamental foundational beliefs in the Christian faith, which will help, hopefully, anybody in here who does not consider themselves to be a follower of Jesus, hopefully it will help you. But on top of that, anybody who is a follower of Jesus, many followers of Jesus, they consider the things we're going to talk about to be the basis. Like the, thing, like the Christianity 101, like the ABCs of Christianity. And so what we're going to talk about is that these things are not like the basics that you move on from. They're actually the A to Zs of Christianity. They're pretty much everything. And so similar to the roots of a tree, these things that we're going to talk about are the foundation and source of everything else we say, everything else we do, everything else we believe. And so we're going to talk about them over the next few weeks. The first one we're going to talk about tonight is creation, that God created everything. Let me pray for us, and we'll get into it. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for the students in this room. I thank you for the opportunity to be back in this place. How cool is it, Father, that we have a place that you have provided, that even when things go wrong in one building, we can just move next door. There are many churches out there that are not blessed like that and that haven't grown to that level kind of thing, all that stuff, God. And so we're grateful. We're grateful for what you have provided to this church. I pray that tonight, tonight we would be able to focus in on you. Give, a, get, give us the ears to hear. Uh, give us the eyes to see. Give us the hearts to receive. Whatever you want to give us tonight, we pray, God, that tonight we walk out the way that we walked in. Anybody wants these things, they'd agree with me by saying, amen. Amen. All right. Genesis 1.1. Says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then I, I mean, just starting with the earth, like if you just think about creation, I, mean, I was thinking about this as I was getting ready. That from my front porch, I have seen things that have been just mind blowing to me. I've seen sunsets, I've seen thunderstorms, I've seen wild turkeys and animals out where I live now that I've seen and just thought to myself, man, that's so crazy. But our earth is covered way more than that. There are mountain ranges, and, and there are you know, oceans, there are cave systems, jungles, uh, animals, and, and, and flowers, and plants, all sorts of stuff all over this planet. They're all incredible. And God made every single one of them. Not only that, the Bible says that God didn't even strain. He didn't break a sweat. He didn't struggle. He didn't pull a muscle. He just set it. And it all came to be. It's a picture of how powerful God is. But remember, God didn't just create the earth. He created the heavens and the earth. So let's move on to the heavens. This is what we look at like from the heavens. This is not just a rock floating out in space, right? From the heavens, we're just one big blue, green, and white orb shooting through space at really, really crazy speeds. That, that blue, that's water. Duh. Uh, water. Is very is essentially like the perfect resource to support life. Those clouds are part of an atmosphere that has a perfect mix of gases that allow life to be sustained. Our planet is the perfect distance from the sun, not close enough to burn up, not far enough away to freeze up. 
And those are just three of the perfect things in our planet that, that help sustain and keep life. But there's a lot more, actually. You can start talking about things like the gravitational force. You can talk about things like the, uh, the cosmological constant. You can talk about the electric and negative charges of protons and electrons and how they are perfectly set to be able to actually form the bonds that are necessary for elements to come together. You can talk about proteins, all the different little building blocks that are necessary to come in in the exact right order to create life. All of these things, perfect. It's a really fancy scientist with some really fancy math actually put this together and they, they came up with a number. They wanted to find out the number. What are the chances? What are the chances of all those perfect things and more that I just said? What are the chances that all those things just happened to come together randomly? Just by chance. Just randomly came together. All perfect for life. Not only on our planet, but in our universe. And the number they came up with was the chance was 1 in 10 to the 164th power. It's a really big number. In fact, it's meaningless. I just said that, and one of you were like, one of you whistled, I, that's cool. The rest of you were like, okay. <laughs> what does that even mean? I, I, I'm going to try to illustrate it. Imagine that I took all the sand on Tybee Island. Little Tybee, Tybee, other barrier islands, right? And I took every bit of that sand, and I put it into one big pile. Just one giant pile of sand. And in that giant pile of every single grain from every single one of those beaches, I put one black grain of sand from Hawaii. I just grabbed one, one grain, I had it shipped in. And I put it just randomly right in the middle of this giant pile. And then I took you, and I gave you a blindfold. And I blindfolded you, and I spun you around a whole lot, and I said, Go and just find this giant pile of sand and pick out one grain of sand at random. You're going for the black one. You're going for that one black grain. Well, the chance of you blindfolded, dizzy, and not knowing where it is, randomly picking that one grain of sand is millions of times more likely than all of those different numbers coming together perfectly for life. What's my point? Well, the point's kind of simple, really. I did not just mathematically prove the existence of God, okay? That's not what I just did. Um, but I did, I did make this point. I hope you caught it. There takes a lot, there's a lot of faith believing that everything came together by chance. You have to believe that that 1 in 10 to the 164th power chance was the one chance that actually happened to make this whole thing come together just randomly. You have to believe that. There's faith involved in believing materialism, that everything came together as chance, similar to the faith that people have to have in believing the fact that there's a God that you cannot see. Hey, what was that talking about? The sun? Was I talking about the sun, right? Yeah, we're referring this is from the sun. 93 million miles from the sun, to be specific. And that's a great distance, because we wouldn't want to be any closer to this, because this is what the sun looks like. A giant raging ball of fire, one endless nuclear explosion over and over and over again, all over the surface of that star. It is 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit on the surface of the sun right now, and that came out of the mouth of God. And that's just one star around which our just little solar system spins. Well, little compared to everything else. And to us, it's pretty stinking big. Our solar system is so big, we once sent out a satellite, it's called Voyager. Voyager went out, 
thousands of miles an hour from our planet for years and years and years and years. When I finally reached the edge of the solar system, it turned back around and it took a picture towards the center of our solar system. And this is what that picture looks like. That little dot right there, that's Earth. And that little seeming beam of light, that moat of dust, is what Earth looks like from the edge of just our solar system. And that's one star, one solar system, in our galaxy. Our galaxy is called the Milky Way. If you go out on a clear night, a really clear night, like away from all the other like light and stuff like that, maybe you even had a chance to go out in the mountains before. And if you've seen the stars out in the mountains, it's, it's pretty incredible. But if you look up at a really clear night, you would see the Milky Way. That's our galaxy, the Milky Way. And it looks like that on a really, really clear night. And maybe you would look at that and you would decide, I want to count all of these stars. Man, I want to count all these stars. Well, in our galaxy, there are billions of them. But let's say, just, just you know, again, that's one of those big numbers that doesn't mean anything, so let's imagine what that would be like. So if you wanted to look at the sky and try to count every star, and you decide you're going to start at the top left. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. If you counted like that, one a second, do you know how long it would take you to count every star that you can see in the night sky? 350 years. So if you want to do it, I recommend you get started, right? 350 years. And that's, that's just the stars that you can see. Because that yellow circle, that's our galaxy, it's what the Milky Way looks like. That yellow circle represents everything that you can see from our planet. You can't even see the rest of it because our galaxy is just that big. It's so stinking big that you can't measure the galaxy in ways that you would normally think of. You can't measure the Milky Way in inches or feet or yards or even miles. They had to create a new form of measurement to measure something like the size of a galaxy. It's called a light year. You've heard of this before. Buzz, last name. Well, they named it after Buzz Lightyear's last name. This, this is what it is. Light moves at 186,000 miles a second. 186,000 miles a second. That means that a beam of light goes around our planet seven times per second. And it in one year, moving that fast, you can go 5.88 trillion miles. That's a light year. Which means that if you want to measure the size of God's galaxies, of God's universe, you have to use a ruler 5.88 trillion miles long to even start. Now, now I, I want to show you uh, what we look like. This is the Milky Way again, right? And I want to show you where we are. Uh, we're about like there, right? Just about. Our galaxy is 100,000 light years across, which means if you wanted to visit like our next door neighbors, like maybe up here towards the top somewhere in our galaxy, if you wanted to visit them, you would have to go 186,000 miles per second for 100,000 years just to see so on the other side of our galaxy. And that's one galaxy. There's a lot of galaxies. There's a whole lot of galaxies, and all of them are beautiful. I just want to show you a couple of them. Here's, here's a one galaxy. Here's another galaxy. And a third one. And they're all beautiful. And there's a lot of them. Uh, the Hubble telescope took a picture. A deep space photograph. 
to try to actually look beyond our galaxy and start taking an idea of other galaxies out there. And this deep space photograph the Hubble telescope took, it looked a little something like this. Every one of those points of light is not a star. They're all galaxies. And so if you look at that and you're going, dude, Marcus, there's a lot of stinking galaxies out there. Yeah. Especially if you consider that that picture is from one patch of the night sky that big right there. And then every time you pick another little rectangle like that and fire up there, you get the same amount in every direction. Just blowing your mind a little bit yet. Good. That's the point. Literally, the point of creation is to make you look at stuff like that and go, wow. Our, our God is crazy. Our God is awesome. Our God is big. Our God is powerful. That is the actual and literal point of creation. The Bible says this in Isaiah 40. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created all this. Who brings out the hosts by their number, calling them all by their name, by the greatness of his might, and because of his strong, he's strong in power, not a single one is missing. Isaiah 40 literally says that when we look at the stars, the whole idea is to go, holy crap, God is powerful. That's the point. That he's incomparable, he has no equal, he literally calls each star by name. But when you start to think about this, it gets in your head. These giant numbers, these incredible views, these things that you can't even start to like really imagine in your brain. But as you try, it hurts and then it turns into, man, that's crazy. All of that is meant to get your head. To get your brain, to have your mind start going, man, God is incredible. But this next part is the part that's supposed to get your heart. Psalm 8. Psalm 8 says this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You can look out at the size of this universe and start to feel very small and insignificant. But the Bible says something, and this is really important for you to know. Some of you have read this a million times, you've heard this a million times, but you've never actually thought about this before. Everything that we just showed you, every star, every planet, every galaxy, all that stuff, God spoke that into existence and speaks to his power. But you, he didn't speak you into existence. He formed you with his hands. Do you do it literally? I don't know. But the Bible uses that kind of imagery on purpose. That when it focuses in Genesis 2 about how God made people, all of a sudden the, the whole style changes. It all shifts. Suddenly it slows down and it focuses and God forms humanity with his hands. It speaks to the special how special you are, how special you are to God. Because while, while God, man, we did the really big stuff, now we're going to get really small because with you, God went into really intense detail. Let me show you what a person looks like. I'm not sure if you've ever seen a person before. There's one. 
When you look at a person, uh, when you look at each other, when you look at yourself, it's just kind of, you look at them and you just go like, yeah, like that's a person. They use one big piece of person. She's one big piece of person. That All that kind of stuff. But, but you know this because you've taken biology and chemistry, whether you hate it or not. You know that we're not actually one piece, right? We're actually made up of trillions and trillions of little pieces. Scientists say, they found this out relatively recently, 37 trillion individual cells. That's what you're made of. And at the center of each and every single one of those 37 trillion cells is a nucleus. In the middle of that nucleus is a chromosome. And tucked nice and safe within that chromosome is the real treasure, DNA. DNA is essentially a chemical, biological form of a really, really complex computer program. Like, really complex. As in the DNA that's in your cells, just one of them. If you took that out, you could put in that code, that information, it would be in a thousand books, 500 pages long a piece, with a little tiny print, single space on every single page. That's how much is in this little, little tiny microscopic thing in each and every single one of your cells. Kind of crazy. What really gets me about this is that as you think about that, that just sounds kind of mechanical, right? It's kind of a mechanical thing, but when you actually think of what it means, what is stored within that information, what is stored within that DNA is the ability to tell a single cell from the very beginning to develop into something like this, and then from that to this, from that to this, and so on. I know, my kid's beautiful. I completely agree. <laughs> I, the reason I chose to use my son is some of you know me and know us well enough to have seen Andrew from the time he had his mental powers to the redheaded beauty that he is now. Somewhere in him, there is a microscopic source of information that has told his cells to divide in the perfect way to produce Andrew. And I don't know if I've gotten your brain enough on this one. Let me, let me just go with this. The, the complicated information in DNA is so small and compact and tiny and intricate that the DNA required to produce the entire human race on this planet right now, all of that DNA can fit within the size of a single pill. Right? Right? Like, like, man, if this stuff doesn't get to you, I don't know what, this is crazy stuff. And God, God did not speak that into existence. The Bible uses the imagery that he put your DNA together with his hands. Each tiny microscopic piece with care. Because you are special to him. In fact, Ephesians 2 says that in God's eyes, you're a masterpiece. That he put you together with you in mind. You didn't pop out of some like random factory system where God suddenly looked down and went, 
Oh, uh, okay, fireman? I don't know. Like, God's not operating like that. He had you in mind. He had good works for you in mind. He had you as his inner individual masterpieces. He was putting you together with his hands. He was imagining you. He was dreaming of you. Before you look something like this in your mother's womb, God knew you. He knew you by name. <clears throat> now, the Bible says that he looks at you, whether you're doing what he said, what you, he wants you to do, whether you're saying the kinds of things that he wants you to say. It says in Zephaniah 3, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He quiets you with his love. He rejoices over you with singing. So I don't know how you feel about yourself. And I don't know what you see in the mirror. But one of the things that we learn as we look at what the Bible says about creation is that God thinks you're worth singing. That's how much he loves you. And it's not just words, it's not empty words, it's not just something in an old book from a long time ago. He showed it with action when he asked his son to come and take a punishment that you deserve. And sometimes that's hard to piece together, that's hard to imagine why God would do that, why God would take his own son and do that until you think about the fact that God dreamed about you. He formed you with his own hands. He put each individual piece of your DNA together carefully with one purpose, to make you just how he wanted you to be. It starts to make sense that God would love you enough to send his son. It's hard to get that through sometimes. That's why creation is not this basic thing you hear about. You go, yeah, seven days, I get it. Six days he worked, seventh day he rested. I'm going to move on to the other things the Bible talks about. There's something fundamental in knowing that God formed you with his hands. He knows you by name. He dreamed about you before you ever came into existence. Because we need we're going to face this life with joy. We're going to face this life with power. We're going to face this life with courage. We're going to be able to take it when people don't have high opinions of us, when people say cool things to us, when something else, a relationship falls apart, whether it's with family or a friend or a girlfriend or a boyfriend. If we're going to be able to take that and keep going with speed and power and beauty in our lives and adventure in our lives, we have to know that God will see the Thanks for awesome.